Let's go, focus, breathe. Now pull the thing up. Go, 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 go. Up, you've got it, Rawdon. You've got it. Stand, stand up. Very good. This is another episode of the Clean Health Podcast under the bar. My name is Tom. With me, as always, is Rawdon. <laughs> hi, Tom. Oh, creamy, mate. mate. That's a very creamy yeah, it was start. Just, yeah. Hi, Tom. Yeah, nice. <laughs> just have another sip of coffee, mate. Hold on. Thanks very much to all of our listeners and uh, downloaders who... Uh, who 10,000 of them. ...who partake in the program. We really do appreciate your support. And, Rawdon, you got a nice little... Um, we get a few nice messages from various people about how the show's going, just to, just yeah. to prop us up. Yes. Daniel, the co-founder of PTIQ in Tasmania, yes. sent you a very friendly little message. Yeah, yeah, and no, he just um, PM'd me on Facebook, yeah. social media, and just said he, he was enjoying what we're doing, and... And uh, it was a nice break. He actually got uh, his clients or his colleagues, his staff, yeah. staff slash staff, uh, to have a bit of a listen. Um, oh, and yeah. it gave a bit of a break from listening to him all the time he was right. suggesting. So. Right. Well, I hope they're logging that down on their timesheets. Yes. I mean, tough work to be sit down and made to mm. listen to Under the Bar every yes. week. Yes, here's your homework, Under the Bar, go listen to John Meadows. But yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, um, yeah, I get a few little messages here and there. So it's, it's nice to hear we're doing something that... You know, a few people like. Thanks, so, guys. Yeah, thanks. So, big show coming up, Rawdon. Our special guest on Huge. this episode is Dr. Mark Schaus. Yes. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware of Schausing, he's mm-hmm. a, an expert in Russian history. Yes. Uh, but that's not what we're talking to him about. He's also an expert in environmental toxicity. toxicity. Uh, really great with lab analysis, uh, blood yes. analysis, all this kind of stuff. Now, Tom... We're going to have the uh, oh. the lab coats on yeah. for this whole episode. The whole today. episode. Right. Let's slip into it now. Buttons done up all Buttons the way up, up. to the neck. Stethoscope, Bunsen burner at the ready. Goggles on. Goggles on, yes. So we'll be talking to Shousey about yes. environmental toxicity. This is, a, I guess, a fresh topic for us to address on yeah. the program. And it's something... Have maybe fluffed around... Uh, yes, we've ducked and weaved yes. the issue to a certain degree. But, Rodan, let me ask you, do you use deodorant? Of course I do. Like a spray-on? Yeah, lots of it. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you microwave your dinner out of the, a plastic nice. takeaway container from time to time? Also do a nice little Tupperware to name names. Put oh. it in there. Extra lengthy session in the microwave. High heat. <laughs> Keep going. Do you wash that supper down with a bottle of uh, retail water off the shelf that you've refilled several times? Yeah, yeah. Leave it in the car. Let it go warm and festy. Oh, on the back that, seat and then yeah. refill it again with some more water and drink out of that? Yeah. Yeah, yes. that, that's great. And then for dessert, Rawdon, you have a punnet of strawberries. Man, I love the strawberry. I get the oh, the cheapest ones possible. Yeah, and you don't rinse them? Of course not. No, no, no. Well, do tell me. What are <laughs> you... You're making me feel guilty, Tom. What's up? Well, I'm insinuating that your toxic burden from all the chemicals associated with those things that you're doing, the chemicals in the deodorant, which gets absorbed through your skin into your bloodstream, the plastics from the microwaved plastic container you're heating up, absorbed into the system, Uh the water bottle that you drink, the plastic leaches out into the water, you drink it, it's in your system. Uh, The strawberries, one of the most heavily pesticized fruits that we can get, if you don't wash it and wash it thoroughly or at least try and buy yourself an organic, organic um, okay. then those pesticides are into your system and of course then the body has to detoxify itself ah, from all so of this and I guess to elaborate on the detoxification process just briefly yeah. essentially the liver is one of the primary organs that does that it's constantly 
filtering our blood, blood yep. 24 hours a day, and there yep. are a couple of phases that it takes the blood through to excrete these toxins. It uses amino acids to attach to toxic particles to convert them into water-soluble particles yeah. to get out of the system. Yeah. But uh, there's more than the liver at work with detoxification as well. The, 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 well, in fact, uh, segue, yes. Well, Tom, the, the, <laughs> there is many many organs but uh yeah the four main ones i guess the skin yes we spoke, talk about the skin um uh from time to time but uh the kidneys intestinal tracts are the main four uh, although the intestinal tract will also work you know when the, the liver has uh, like you said made a, a fat soluble toxin through phase one phase two into water soluble bile duct into the the digestive system and excreted out in waste yes or through the kidneys and urine so like you said, uh, a lot of the toxins are uh, basically stored in fat, so the fat soluble. So you mentioned a couple of phases that the liver will will go through without going into too much detail. We're not uh, sure. The lab code is on, but it's not. Uh, oh, we've got the top button undone. So phase one, phase two, the the phases of the liver toxins come in. Phase one requires micronutrients. We talk about this all the time. We talk about the the cleanse, and we like to have B vitamins and, and a good quality multi and the glycine and these yes. types of things. Yes. Phase one, think B vitamins, folic acid, uh, you know things like vitamin C, vitamin A, calcium, uh, vitamin D. Okay, so that's yep. uh, you know, essential for detoxification. Milk thistle, NAC, and then phase two. So once uh, those micronutrients have been sorry, phase what? Phase two. <laughs> <laughs> phase two. Um, you know, things like that's when the amino acids come in. We talk about glutamine. We like taurine in the, the cleanse and, uh, uh, you know, the glycine we mentioned, carnitine. The glutamine. Know, yeah, the glutamine as well. And cruciferous veggies with the, with the dim in the veggies. They all help with phase uh, two. And like you said, the, the toxic list, um, metabolic end products are processed in the body, breaking down fats, protein, carbs. Yep. That has waste products. The liver helps detox that. Yes. Uh, microorganisms, you know, uh, pollutants and insecticides. You mentioned that with the, with the strawberries, but pollutants, you know, the sprays, the, the shampoos, all those types of things. Food additives, you know, even yeah. alcohol, drugs. Yep. Uh, I mean, the drugs might be stopping pain, uh, painkillers, stuff like that. Uh, might be a prescription medication you're on, uh, the pill. Yep. Um, all these things have to be metabolized and excreted, um, like I said, through your urine, through your skin, through your lungs. You can breathe it out, but also uh, digest the system into your, in yeah. your stool. So what we're so getting at is that the various detoxification pathways in the body are constantly working. And hardest working organ in the body, yeah. They've got enough to think about as it is just what we do in general life and the foods we eat before you then chuck in all the chemicals that we're exposed to. Yes. So the idea is to sort of try and reduce your toxic load as much as possible. Yeah. And uh, when we get Shousey on, we're mm. going to have a, a good chat to him about what's going on in that process, Yeah. Um, where these toxins come from. So looking forward to talking to Shousey a bit Shousey. later on in the program. Also, Rudin, now we've really got the, <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the white lab coats on for this one. We're going to oh, have yeah. a... Um, well, a baby steps yeah. basic overview of blood chemistry. Yeah. This is one of the Flying Founders' pet topics. Yeah. He's an expert in uh, blood chemistry analysis. Yes. But we're not going to go into that much detail. We'll get Dane in uh, on his own to really flesh that topic out. But what yeah. we're going to do is just give uh, a very layman's terms overview as to why you would run a basic blood panel yeah. and its applications for a personal trainer, I guess, and, yeah, and how personal we use trainer, them down at Clean Health. Yeah, we certainly do provide that service down at the CHPC, but 
let's not just keep it exclusively to personal trainers just for anyone that's listening I mean when was the last time they ran their blood chemistry just to make sure their organs are working well yeah, I mean yeah. we get some clients that come in and it's like okay let's uh, if you don't need blood chemistry it's not a, an essential part of what we do but it just gives us a bit of a, a snapshot of what's going on at that point in time uh, and they're like oh no I've never run bloods and they're you know 35, 40 years old, it's like, yeah. okay, we might do a blood test, just see what's going on. And, and sometimes, you know, things do crop up and it's not, you know, I personally don't try and tackle, you know, anything that's, that's out of my scope of practice. I just refer out. So it's back yep. to the doctor, then on to the specialist. And point being, from time to time, you actually do find, find things. things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, yeah, so it's just peace of mind, I guess, at the end of the day. But it does, I think, play a, a role in body composition. It will certainly influence things. Dane, I will come on and explain how it influences in much more detail body composition and, and hypertrophy uh, and just general health. But uh, we're going to give you a little bit of a, an overview of, of what we like to look for and the basics, like you said. So that's what's coming up on the show. If you'd like to contact us, you can podcast at cleanhealth.com.au. And remember, anything that we do say on this show, particularly in this episode, is just uh, in reference to things that we do down at Clean Health. By no means is it the only way to do something. We're not doctors. No. Even though we look like them. Yes. Dr. Hewitt. Okay, under the bar with Rawdon and Tom. Rawdon, before we get into the meat and nuts... Yes. Uh, just a little tip from the trenches to start things off. Our yeah. good friend Strength Sensei put up an interesting article yesterday. AKA Charles Pollock. Yep. Talking about how he likes all of his clients across the board to start their day. And oh, yeah. what he likes is to start the day with a little uh, quarter teaspoon of coloured salt. Coloured, yep. With a shot of lime juice in some warm water. Ah. Boom. So you get yourself either some um, pink Himalayan rock salt or yep. Celtic sea salt, a salt that has a color to it. So the Celtic sea salt will be a bit more gray, the pink yeah. Himalayan rock salt obviously pink, but not white table salt that's yeah. been you know, bleached of be, all, all of its minerals. Needs to be colored. quarter of a teaspoon of that Yep. with a, a squeeze of lime yep. and some warm water down the gullet. Okay, why would you do this? Well, essentially, Rod, and this is an interesting one, the salt will go a long way towards nourishing the adrenal Adrenals. glands. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so if you can get up first thing in the morning and you're hitting your body with those uh, electrolytes and minerals uh, found in the salt, then you've got some alkalizing lime there as yep. well. Uh, that's the way that Charles Pollockman has all of his clients start their day. Is that um, setting up a, a cortisol, uh, encouraging cortisol to be higher in the morning, like it should be? Exactly. And then taper off, uh, so you have a, a typical cortisol curve, like they, do, like they say. So ideally, you'd wake up in the morning, cortisol high, lots yep. of morning energy, ready to train, and then as the yep. day goes on, that tapers down, and once you're, you're fast asleep, around about 10 p.m., it should be at its absolute lowest yes. as, you, uh, as you enjoy your slumber. Yeah, definitely. Tip from the trenches, there you have it. Well, righto, mate, the time has come. Are, okay. we, are we ready for this one? Yeah, yeah Just cracking the knuckles over there. So, basically, Rawdon, why would we... Nice work, Cam. Yeah, a couple of sirens going on in the background yes. there. He nipped that in the bud. Didn't <laughs> you, Cam? Well, so why would you do it? Yeah. Yeah, why would you run a... Okay, so we're talking about a blood panel. Why would you run a basic blood panel, or I guess the benefits of doing so? Yeah. Essentially, what you're doing with uh, the basic round of blood tests is just establishing an overview of your general health. Yeah. 
and to assess the function of your main organs. Yeah. The other basic things that make up this, I mean, they will check the electrolyte levels. So essentially the, the minerals that keep the body's fluid balance optimal. Well, I uh, spoke for, about uh, having a bit of sea salt just a second ago. So. Exactly, mate. So that muscular, heart and organ function is all tip top. Yep. They'll look at things like blood, urea, nitrogen and creatinine for kidney function and yep, all that yep. kind of stuff. I mean, that would be, that's relevant to us, Rawdon, because if someone does come into the gym with an existing kidney issue... Loads of protein. Then, yes. Load them up. Lo you load, need it to build muscle, Tom. Load them up with Screw protein. the blood chemistry. <laughs> uh, 500 grams a day. Blood glucose levels. Uh, yeah. Basically, assessing the amount of sugar in the bloodstream, which is yeah. useful to us to figure out, you know, what has their carbohydrate intake been like in the past. Yeah, metabolic syndrome. Maybe they're on the verge of having insulin resistance. Definitely. And another crucial one, of course, is assessing thyroid function yeah. which is the, the primary indicator of their metabolic health yeah definitely the tsh and so i guess those are some reasons why you would run a blood panel i think another interesting point mate if you were to talk to dane he oh. would he likes to look at blood chemistry from functional reference ranges you've got yes. a pathologic pathological reference ranges and functional reference ranges. Yes. Um, so Dane will look at a pathological range and then assess that with the functional reference range of blood chemistry. The basic difference between the two is that the pathological reference range is based off the population. So from time to time, different labs will have different reference ranges. Yeah. And that is a result of them taking the, the mean or the average of yeah. all the people that they've tested. So like so, a Society of Homer Simpsons. Exactly. So yes. the unhealthier a given demographic is, yes. then the broader the reference ranges will be for any particular test. It's interesting. I've, I, even in the short time that I've been looking at blood chemistry, which is not... I think, yeah. A few years? Yeah, a few years. Five but years I, but I've seen like, like liver value, like the ALT, AST liver enzymes, you know, creep up. It's 35 now it's 40 like, yes and uh, TSH your thyroid you know snapshot of your thyroid that I've seen increase a little bit as well yeah and different uh, labs will, will have different reference ranges like you said so once you once you look at those reference ranges then Dame will take them and say okay yes here's the the functional reference range which is what is the optimal reference range for this particular person yeah. i.e. someone from the athletic population exactly. what is the mean for an athlete which has lean body mass high muscle mass yes yeah and, and i suppose that uh i do recall uh, running bloods with a lot of clients when we were, we were over in st leonard's working clean health and anytime fitness there before we had the the now famous chpc but i remember the the doctor at the time you know saying oh a lot of your clients are coming back with with elevated liver enzymes but you know what are you what are you doing down there and it's and it's like, well, actually, we're, they're training, they're breaking muscle tissue down, and that's why their liver enzymes are coming back slightly elevated. It's not excessively elevated uh, to the point where you might then refer out and then have a scan of the ultrasound of the liver to see if everything's okay. But And none of the other liver or kidney markers are in, uh, elevated. It's just that the, the, the specific ALT and AST slightly elevated. And in retrospect, you know, I now realize it was actually, well, you know, at the time I was scratching my head saying, hmm, a bit strange, I'm not sure. But now I know that, well, it's just because they were actually training hard. And to be honest, Tom, if I get bloods back and yes. they don't have elevated liver enzymes, I'll, uh, you know, <laughs> are you quiz training them. hard enough? Yeah. yeah. There, there are obviously exceptions to the rule and sometimes it will be. But you, like I said, you're looking at other references being elevated too. But if it's just a couple of uh, the ones that we're mentioning, uh, then most likely it's due to the breakdown of muscle tissue. But uh, 
It's interesting. It, it is. It's fascinating, Rod. And so, mate, are we going to brave it and actually go through a few of the, okay. the basic blood markers that we would take our clients yeah, through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just going to do the... I mean, like I said, we've mentioned Dane a few times, and I know there's a few uh, others in the industry that do do a lot more comprehensive uh, blood analysis, but uh, we're just going to do the general run-of-the-mill. This stuff will all be covered by, uh, you know, if you're in Australia, uh, you're an Australian citizen, by Medicare. There shouldn't be any additional charges if the you know, doctor's going to charge you extra, go somewhere else. Um, but yeah, it should all be included, so there's nothing nothing that's going to cost you a, a lot of money. It's just basic blood tests. Pretty similar to what you would get if you went to the doctor and say, give me a, a checkup. Yeah. Okay. CPM, otherwise known as a comprehensive metabolic panel. This is essentially a group of blood tests that provide an overall picture of the body's chemical balance and the functioning of the metabolism. Yeah, uh, sometimes called serum chemistry as well, depending on what lab you go to. But things like electrolytes will be in there. You mentioned the sodium, so yep. uh, sodium chloride, calcium, phosphorus. Uh, we've got enzymes. We mentioned the, the liver enzymes that we spoke about, the AST, ALT and AST. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, alkaline phosphatase in there as well. And then you've yeah, got other markers uh, like blood protein, albumin, bilirubin, uh, looking at the fats, um, creatinine you mentioned for kidney markers, glucose obviously, uh, you know, fasting glucose levels to see if they're, yes. they're metabolizing sugar effectively. Triglycerides, uh, cholesterol usually in there too. Uh, like you mentioned, urea, the breakdown of uh, byproduct of breaking down protein. So there's quite a few markers in that CMP. And if even if you only got one test done from the, the doctor, yes. that one's always going to be included. And always. it's pretty comprehensive. You, you yeah. get, like you said, a snapshot of what's going on. And it is at that point in time. So Yeah. I guess the, the next one on the list, if that's the most comprehensive, then probably mm-hmm. the other most common uh, marker to get is the CBC, which is the complete blood count. Yeah, otherwise known as uh, hematology. Uh, some labs will call it the hematology. But yeah, complete blood count, looking at white blood cell. Um, and Dane loves nothing more than looking at the monocytes, basophils, osonophils, lymphocytes, all these yes. little sub-cell uh, counts that, that add up to the to complete blood count. And, and you know, variance in those will mean different things. But for us, and with all these, um, we might point out that, uh, and we'll reiterate this at the end, we're just basically looking to see if they fall in the in that pathological reference range. You know, if your skill set um, does allow you to look at more of a functional reference range, then by all means, you know, delve into that and, and try and improve things. But for us, uh, you and I, I think yep. you're similar to I, you know, we look at uh, just if they're in the pathological reference range. Exactly. And, uh, and usually it'll be flagged by the lab too. Precisely. If it's elevated or under, it'll be highlighted. So yeah. it's pretty easy to read. And if it's something which is really off the charts, then the, the doctor will always step in. And, they'll, and they'll step in, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. CBC. <laughs> Another useful one that we look at, Rawdon, is the CRP or C-reactive protein. protein. Yeah. This one's more of a non-specific test. It's basically to detect inflammation in the yeah. body, be that acute or chronic inflammation. So the test doesn't necessarily tell exactly where that inflammation is coming from or what no. condition is causing it. It's just giving you, like it's non-diagnostic, but yes. it's painting a picture of the inflammation status of that person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the markers then you, that you can check to see if the body is in an inflamed state. Yeah. Um, ESR is another one, not that we're going to talk about that. ESR and, and ferritin, one of your own markers, will also uh, let you know whether the inflammation in the body, but again, uh, doesn't actually pinpoint where it's coming from. 
Another one, this is a crucial one, Royden, and one that can play havoc if it's out of whack is TSH, otherwise known as thyroid stimulating hormone. Yep. And essentially, this hormone causes the thyroid gland to actually produce the primary hormones, yeah. T3 and T4. Yes. And these are the hormones that regulate the body's metabolism. Yeah, yeah. Well, TSH basically hypothalamus pituitary down to the thyroid. T4 inactive, T3 active, very small amount of T3 produced at the thyroid. T4 is then uh, converted to T3 by other organs in the body, liver, kidneys, intestine. You know, lots of tissue will convert T4 to the active T3. But mm. TSH, I guess, it's not the be-all and end-all of thyroid health because often you know, the reference range is so broad for TSH. You know, you could be, again, in that pathological. This would be one where I would maybe delve into a little bit more detail and, and, and refer back to the doctor to have a yeah. more thorough test of, of the thyroid because the reference range, I think it's 0.5 to, to sort of 4.5 or in that vicinity, depending on the lab. You know, you might be at 4.4 and the doctor says, well, you know, you're in the reference range. Reference range is fine. Don't worry about it. It's like, well, hmm, not really. I, I can, I, I do consults with a, with a doctor, Michael Scally. Uh, in the in the US and and uh, and I know for a fact he, the reference range he likes to, to use for a TSH is, is much lower, more like 0.5 to I think 1.2 or something. He likes the the TSH levels that for optimal metabolism and, and thyroid yeah. health. So that's one where we're we're just deviating slightly to, to give my opinion on that. But yeah, TSH will give you a snapshot of the thyroid health. Okay, vitamin D, otherwise known as 25-OHD. Yes. Basically, this measures the blood level of activated vitamin D for want of a better term. Yeah, and, and we uh, mentioned vitamin D earlier, playing a crucial role in detoxification. But pretty much every disease known to man has a relationship to low vitamin, vitamin D, D levels. Yeah, so, yeah. And this is know, one of the easy fix ones, because if you, if you have a client that comes back peasy. with low vitamin D, uh, a simple vitamin D or a good quality vitamin D supplement. Yeah, you've got to get a good quality one, but we'll bump that up pretty effectively. Yeah, and, and vitamin D is one of the things that they're, they're pretty much all doctors are telling most individuals to actually take a daily vitamin D supplement. Yeah. Low dose vitamin D. If it does come back and it's low, there's different ways you can do uh, to elevate it uh, in a shorter period of time, but also get some sun, you know? That's, well, uh, we, we get our a weekly dose of vitamin D. As we do, Tom. Rooster up to Rooster the Rooster rippling VMOs, <laughs> trying to get as many kills as we possibly can on the way up. But yeah, um, all jokes aside, a bit of sun, you know, 20 minutes a day is, is really going to be beneficial. Mm. It's not going to, um, you know... Uh, the, the benefits of getting that 20 minutes a day in the sun are going to fire away any, any negative issues. And like I said, vitamin D, 1 to 2,000 IU a day is uh, as far as I'm aware of which the, the doctors are just generally prescribing for the, for yes. the whole population because it's that important. Okay, mate, the fasting blood glucose. Yep. Well, this is the test that doctors will use to detect any early onset diabetes. Yeah, type 2, yep. It'll give you an eye, you know, snapshot of hypoglycemia or hypoglycemia, so either high or yeah. low Hyper blood sugar. being high and hypo being low. low. Same with the thyroid. But this is also one of these ones which we would look at in terms of getting the snapshot of what the client's insulin sensitivity is like. Yeah, if, if uh, the, the fasting glucose, that'll give you a, a little bit of a snapshot as to how well the body's dealing with, with carbohydrates and sugars at that point in time, definitely. Okay, mate, the fasting lipid profile. This is an interesting one. I mean, uh, yeah. when we spoke to Dr. Johnny Bowden, this yes. is what he was big on in terms of, I mean, all doctors will use this marker as an indicator for potential cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Um, but then this is obviously cholesterol will be um, looped into this one as well, your HDL yeah. and your LDL. However, as he did specify, 
that only gives a snapshot of what's actually going on yeah. with cholesterol. And you really yeah. need to sort of delve a little bit deeper and get those fractions of the cholesterol the, the, tested. The fluffy and the, the small ones. Ball that, bearing. Yeah, yes. that really get stuck into the, the cell and the, the arteries. nasty and particles. And yeah. the fluffy ones are fine. Yeah. So, yeah, we do have, I mean, reference, this is for you, Arnie, we reference Arnold down at the CHPC, and yeah. I think he's actually gone, since hearing that podcast, has gone back to the, his GP and said, hey, give me some subfractions now, yes. stat. Yes. And uh, he's looking into, um, and yeah, I think he, he, yeah, through the doctor's uh, monitoring, is going to, uh, come off his because uh, he's on yeah he's on, yeah. A, on a statin and uh, and with that you know comes a lot of uh, side effects so for him he's heading in the right direction but but he took uh, Johnny's advice and he's gone back and as far as I'm aware he's looking into the subfraction so yeah that's what you need to look at total cholesterol could be up but it yep. might be HDL that's high which is obviously not a concern once again Rod another example of where yeah sure we look at that that's great but then refer off to get that seen and overseen by an expert yeah exactly we will always refer out we're just uh, meat in the sandwich okay mate what about the iron studies essentially uh, a group of tests which uh, assess the red blood cell status yep. that's going on and basically measures the iron levels in the blood the amount of iron that you store in your body and uh, I guess the body's capacity to uh, absorb iron yeah and like a well that's it 100% so it could be Maybe the, the individual is not consuming enough protein, enough red meat. They could be have low iron intake, or they might not be breaking their red meat down efficiently. So yeah. it could be a, a sign of digestive issues. But I mentioned ferritin and ESR being a couple of inflammation markers, and and uh, yeah, ferritins uh, will also let you know that inflammation uh, is rampant somewhere in the body. And I actually had high ferritin mysteriously for it's good year to 18 months, and it was mm. high each blood test because I run a few blood tests a year to make sure things are well. And uh, then it just came down. So my body was obviously fighting some underlying infection. And coincidentally, my health had, had much improved once the, the ferritin levels came down. Yeah. So it was a little bit weird, that one. But that falls into that, that iron study that you're talking about, which should be a staple in any blood chemistry panel that you're on. Well, that is the, the list of staples that we would yeah. um, look at. I mean, obviously, if people had a greater skill set in yeah. analyzing blood chemistry, then they could get a little bit more exotic with the, the test that they run. But yeah. essentially, we're doing that for the client themselves to have a, an overview of their general health, yeah. for us to get an idea of how well or how hard we can actually train them, what, the, what their immune status is like, how much, yeah, what kind of yeah. programming we can put these people in yeah, definitely. to get an idea of their insulin sensitivity levels. Uh-huh. Are they going to tolerate carbohydrates? And to flag anything and refer out if something isn't quite right because definitely. if after 12 weeks of training with someone, you're doing everything you can nutritionally, yep. the training's on point and their body is not responding, it's nice to know before you get to that point if yeah. there may be potential roadblocks rather than having to test 12 weeks down the track and figure out, oh, well, if only this and this and this were sorted out. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, it doesn't need to be complex. Sure, you mentioned other people like to delve into slightly more exotic blood markers, and that's fine. But for you and I, and, and even Stefan, mm. uh, super coach Stefan Ionev, you know, he likes to keep things pretty simple with his blood yeah. chemistry as well. But, you know, you might, uh, like for myself, I like to look at, you know, your androgen status and, and look at other things and try and, I guess, get a bit of a snapshot on how anabolic the individual yeah. will be. Well, well, let's talk about that because we didn't mention androgens or estrogen in that yeah. list of basics. And there's a good reason for that. Essentially, there may not be any correlation between, say, low testosterone and 
poor body comp results or poor performance in the gym. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. more about how well you utilize the available testosterone that you have. Yeah, exactly. And um, this was one thing, again, I, I referenced Dr. Scali, but but uh, he sent me a, um, a study where, you know, they, they cross-sectioned a, a ton of elite-level athletes. And it was, it was a good study. I think it was like 100-plus uh, athletes were tested, and yeah. some of them had uh, testosterone in the toilet. You know, yes. it was, it was pre pubescent uh, testosterone of, a, of an oh, infant you know yeah. like it and, and but yet they were elite athletes performing you know within i think it was in within national records so it wasn't just you know uh, state championships it was, it was like national records yes. and um you know i run uh, like testing androgens testing testosterone i mean that's all we've got to work out whether someone is going to be more anabolic or not testing estrogen levels make sure estrogen is not elevated you know we can do things to try and help in that regard you know the zinc and uramatase things like that improve nutrition whatever but at the end of the day that the, like you said there is often there's not a direct correlation with with but you could have someone that comes in and you see it from time to time and testosterone through the roof yet their body composition is you know they're yeah 28 body fat they have uh you know a ton of estrogen they've got gynomastica they're out of shape they've got fat on the hips like women you know, and that's all because they're yeah they've had high testosterone, but they've got high estrogen as well, or, or you know the estrogen levels are low and they have high testosterone, but they just like you said they don't utilize. Just don't utilize it. Yeah, yeah. they don't know what's going on mm. inside their cells. So, and Brad Soper, one of our super coaches down at the CHPC, I mean, PTM, PTM down there, and if you, you can uh, search him on social media, Brad Soper, you'll see him doing some some pretty decent lifts and and really. Uh, individual that does walk the walk the talk and, yeah. and trains hard uh, consistently yeah strong yeah, backs it up strong and he's in really good shape and run his bloods and his testosterone is actually uh, time and time again it'll be at the lower end no. of the reference yeah. range you know you test one of the other guys you know run bloods for others at the at clean health and um and they have great testosterone levels yet they're you know half the body composition and the, the ability that, that brad has so yeah. yeah it really is use it as a as a guide but it's not a the be all and end all and a fundamental for whether the, the individual is going to respond or, or be have a performance that's um you know worthy in the gym yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. quite interesting I guess one last thing you know a lot of these tests will to get these tests done you'll need to be in a fasted state so at yep. least eight hours wake up on an empty stomach you can obviously can have some water but then you're in and boom get them done and these tests we give our clients a bit of a list uh, a bit of a cover letter if you will mm. says hey you know can so and so have these tests done please but the tests are the responsibility of the individual and they do have to actually go through the doctor through the to doctor. get the tests done yeah. it's not like we can give you a, or you can give the client a list and they just take it straight to the lab you do need to still run through a GP, and um, any GP will be able to run any of the ones we listed. More exotic, you know, that, that might take a little bit more finesse and have a, a <laughs> GP that knows you and that's your yeah. regular GP. But those ones we mentioned, run of the mill. Just wander in and get them done. Get them done. Cool. Thank you. Under the Bar, the Clean Health Podcast with Rawdon yes. and Tom. Lab coats on, everybody. Yeah, hold on, I've just slipped into mine, Tom. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Got the Bunsen burner. And the beaker's out. The yes. beaker's, yes. A few things rattling you away. need them now. i tell you what, Rawdon, our next guest is a really interesting character. We've been looking forward to talking to him for quite a while yep. now. And uh, I guess you and I can be caught swanning around the, uh, the yes. CHPC from time to time, uh, peacocking the feathers about the, yep. the success of our little podcast. And <laughs> oh, yes. This like is that. me bragging to uh, Shouse <laughs> to lure him onto the program. <laughs> As it turns out, our next guest has got a podcast of his own and yeah. clocks up uh, just a cheeky 50,000 yes. listeners per episode. Yeah, so well. 
I've got a little bit of work to do here, mate. And he's not even talking about what we're talking about on the show today. It's it's actually a podcast on Russian history. Hmm. I'm actually referring to Dr. Mark Schaus. Those of you who haven't heard of him, he's uh, an internationally acclaimed... uh, or authority, I guess, on Russian yeah. history, but also he lectures on the effects of environmental toxicity yeah. on human health. Yeah. Uh, he speaks about cognitive issues in human health. He's an expert in laboratory testing mm. in terms of uh, the interpretation of, of blood chemistry, hair analysis, organic acids, all that kind of stuff. Yep. He's got his own lab. He's the CEO of Lab Interpretation. Mm. And he was out in Sydney in 2013 at Clean Health. He yep. gave a seminar or a, a several-day seminar, I think, on... It was a, I think it was, might have been a certification, mate, level yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. The art and science of biochemical individuality. And a, apart from being absolutely fascinating, yeah. probably walked away and been a little bit paranoid about all the things that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> yes. But, Rodden, we live in a toxic world, and, and yep. you and I have made reference to it from time to time on the show, but uh, yeah, it's not for us to try and explain to our listeners... Yeah. exactly how important this is and why. So this is why we get an expert like Mark Schaus to come on, really break Dot it down. Dot the I's, cross the T's on environmental toxicity. Precisely. So welcome to the show, Mark, and thank you very much for your time. Well, thanks for having me. Excellent. Mark, just to give our listeners a bit more of an idea about where you're coming from with all of this, how did you, I guess, how did you develop, A, such two diverse passions in life, one for blood chemistry and optimal health and one for Russian <laughs> history, and, and yeah. what led you to the uh, this field of expertise where you are now? Well, Russian history was what I wanted to become a professor of. Uh, back in 1977, I took a class Ooh. and fell in love with it. I'm part Russian. My family was part of the Russian nobility, and you know I had a little passion for that. But uh, unfortunately for me, my ability to speak the Russian language was quite poor. Okay. And my professor told me, you know, find a different profession because... All you speak is what we call kuchny ruski, which is oh. kitchen Russian. Oh, Basically, I can find food, I can get some vodka, I can get, you know, I can get fed and I know where to find the bathroom, but that's about that's it. That's about it. Hmm. So I thought, eh, okay, uh, but now, <laughs> you know, I've taught more people Russian history around the world than my professor ever did in his entire lifetime. Yes. But because he told me to move on, I started looking into health because I was a competitive athlete. I'd broken down. I'd run the New York City Marathon and broke my knee uh, right. while running it because I stepped into a pothole, which is not difficult to do there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, this is an interesting field. My brother was in it. He was authored 14 books on health. And I started working with him, but found out that working with a relative is sometimes not the best choice in life. Yes. So I kind of moved on. And one day I was handed a blood test and they said, you think you can make anything out of this? And I thought, hmm, this was back in 1985. Sure, this will be a two-week job. So here we are 20, 30 years later, <laughs> and I'm still working at it. And I yeah. found a passion for it because I saw how important it was to interpret the data, not just have a lab test done. What yeah. does it really mean? And yeah. I started finding out that most physicians out there didn't know what the numbers meant. No. And I thought, wait a minute, isn't this what you're supposed to do in medical school? Wasn't this? But they have so much to learn that there was no way of, that they could remember everything. Yep. So I developed a, a couple patents on how to interpret lab data back in the 90s. And we've been working at it since. Then my daughter uh, came down with a uh, life-threatening form of epilepsy. And they gave her uh, 12 years to live. She was three and a half when she had her first seizure. And I thought, not under my 
Uh, not on your life, watch. Would, I, would I allow this to happen? Yeah. Uh, she outlived her neurologist who gave her that oh, diagnosis. Really? She's now 18. And right now we're having to deal with her dating uh, for ah, the first yes. time. You know, with well, something well, that fathers well, I, have a real hard time. Saving her life's one thing, Mark. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, getting on top of the dating thing, I don't even know your skill set can handle. Yes. I'm Good luck. I'm having a hard time with it. Thankfully, I have a wife who's dealing with it very well. Yes. But, you know, I started searching for answers. And one of the things I found out that uh, she had some dark markings on her skin. And they're consistent with pesticide exposure during a pregnancy for the mother. And I thought, you know, it's not a definitive reason why she had it, but it's something that makes me curious. And I started talking to all my friends who were physicians and researchers and things like that, and said, you know, environmental toxicity is that one thing that causes over 80% of all chronic illness in the world. I thought, if I could come up with some answers, something to help just a few people, yeah. Wouldn't that be a good thing? It's something I enjoy doing and finding those answers. And toxicity, more and more I delved into it, the more and more I realized that this was a, the, a direction I had to go to mm. in order to find answers for people and make their lives better. Uh, case in point was a, a thyroid clinic out of Texas that I worked with. Uh, very eminent, a world-renowned. And we started doing a lot of environmental toxicity testing with them. And started working with the people to try to detoxify them, get them off of, you know, away from the toxic elements. And then they stopped working with me. Just all of a sudden. Nobody would mm. tell me why. And then an ex-employee called me up and said, if you'd like to know why, I'll tell you. And I said, I'm very curious. She goes, you had too many people cured of hypothyroidism. 40% <laughs> of the people who did your testing no longer had it. Uh, and the majority of the money that they make was from custom making thyroid hormones for supplements. And so you were cutting mm. into their business model. And I went, wait a minute, isn't medicine about helping people, curing them, getting them better? And they went, well, not so much here. Yeah, <laughs> it was right, about yeah. making money. What we did is we found out that toxicity, the first thing that happens with mammals is their metabolism goes down in order to handle the burden of the toxins and to let that, those toxins not affect the organism so much. And so most hypothyroidism, in my opinion, is due to toxicity. And so when people start stimulating the thyroid because your metabolism's low, your, your temperature's down, yep. you feel lethargic, it's because, what you have to do is detoxify first and work on the thyroid second. Mm, and it's just kind of a different way of looking at things. And the success was so great that I thought, you know, this is a passion. When I hear people saying, I haven't felt good in 20, 30, 40 years, and I feel better now, that's a good reason why I wake up every morning and say, I'm yeah. really happy to go to work. Yeah. Because we can affect another life, make them better. That's awesome, Mark. We'll delve into uh, a bit of an overview of, of how you do detoxify and uh, improve your status there in regards to toxins in the body. Why don't we um, talk about uh, an overview of the of environmental toxins? You know what they are for for our listener. You know, I guess the, the xenoestrogens get thrown around, and um, you know why is the environment toxic and you know, those sorts of things. Well, xenoestrogens basically are what we call any outside element that imitates estrogen. I like to use the term xenohormone because 
it's anything from the outside, our environment, that affects all our hormones. Okay. Xenoestrogens really just affect estrogen. But there are so many different synthetic compounds that affect them, all our different hormones, that it's, it's becoming an increasing burden. And what's very scary is this is only 70 years old. Now, there's a lot of natural substances like soy that are a xenoestrogen. They can affect estrogen levels. Uh, one lab I talked to said that this increased use of soy in the diet, they've seen men with estrogen levels similar to women. Yeah. Which, as we can see with breast development in men, is not an uncommon thing to see, unfortunately, nowadays. Yes. But with all the xenohormones, some of them uh, come from very unusual places. One in particular is phthalates. Yeah. And phthalates are some, a plasticizer that makes plastic soft. It also holds an aroma, so they use it in uh, perfumes, body sprays, things that make people smell better or uh, you know, sprays that they use in households to, you know, cover up bad smells, as they put it. Uh, phthalates were actually developed by the U.S. government as a uh, chemical weapon and during the Vietnam War to spray on the North Vietnamese to lower men's reproductive abilities. So right. to lower their population right. uh, growth. So it was <laughs> specifically designed for that purpose? Yeah, and they're one of the people I used to work with... Uh, he was in the U.S. military, and he was a lab director, and he started finding steroids in the soil. And he was just perplexed. Where are steroids coming from? Well, it was this chemical, and actually, uh, the chemical is actually purchasable in stores. It's called New Car Smell, yeah, the exact yeah. same one that they use. And it depletes or depresses testosterone. So you can imagine... We're seeing a just an epidemic of low testosterone in men around the world. Yeah. Uh, I was called by the University of Kansas once, and they said, "We understand you might have an answer to why we're seeing testosterone levels of 18 to 25 year olds in our university, which look like 60 and 70 year old men." And I thought, "Are you kidding?" And they said, "We're seeing erectile dysfunction yeah. in 18 year old boys." Now, Crazy. I don't know about you, but when I was 18, that was not a problem. Well, mate, a handstand <laughs> to have a leak in the morning, you know, to, to exactly. go to the toilet. And it was a tough time. They're seeing this, and, and they're now seeing this with fetal development, with babies yeah. being born, where the anogenital distance is being shrunk, where it's equating more to a female than a male. Mm. So this is a disturbing trend, and... These chemicals, uh, right now, and you know, I could speak of the United States, there are about 84,000 synthetic chemicals, with about 1,000 more introduced every year. And they're found in everybody. There was a study done uh, called Body Burden, where they found in cord blood of babies over 200 chemicals yeah. that are hmm. synthetic that did not exist 40 years ago. And all of them are xenoestrogens or xenohormones. They affect hormone levels. Okay. And in fetal development, you need two surges of testosterone in order to build all the neural nets in the brain. Okay. One few weeks before birth and around three. And if okay. testosterone is depressed, those nets don't build and you have disorders like autism, mm. ADHD, and all sorts of different brain dysfunctions where children's IQs are depressed. So this is a, 
a major issue, and it's, yeah. you know, children are the ones that were most affected and the unborn, but it really affects adults. Mm. Because a recent uh, paper that was put out a few years ago called the President's Report on Cancer in the United States said that 80% of all cancers are due to environmental toxins. That's a Jeez. staggering That's figure. That's incredible. So, Chelsea, how do they then, can you explain then, right, all these toxins obviously are being produced in the manufacturing that we do in yep. chemicals and plastics and air fresheners and sprays. How do these then affect the human? How do they get into the body and how do they get into a fetus? How are all these 18-year-old men in the one university being affected with the same thing? Like, what's the, what's the mechanism here? Yeah. Well, it's absorption through drinking, eating, and through the skin are the main sources of it. Uh, with the ones that we saw at the University of Kansas, one of the big things was these body sprays that they advertise on television to attract women, of all things. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's the something called Axe. And here in the States, it's called Axe. Oh, you spray this, all the girls come to you. And I usually joke in my lectures saying, you know, you get attracted, but once they get there, you won't know what to do. Yes. <laughs> and it's, it's very true. These things have about five or six different types of phthalates ethyl forms, dimethyl forms that are just get absorbed into the skin, go in, depress testosterone. Air fresheners are another major source that get absorbed through just breathing and, and then through the skin and a lot of cosmetics, uh, personal care products have them, shampoos, conditioners, body washes. There, so many of them have them and they're not regulated in many countries. Well, except for Europe, the European Union has decided they're going to change the things and the way things are done. Instead of proving that something causes damage, you have to prove it's safe. Yes. And that made a big change in the world. Uh, our U.S. government under the Bush administration decided they were going to send some lobbyists in to try to change the rules and make it a little softer. Instead, they stiffened the rules because the main lobbyist they sent in was uh, a son of one of the R.J. Reynolds tobacco family. Oh. Uh, and they just went, you dare send people to tell us to protect our citizens, not to protect them? So in the United States, we have a lot of toxic chemicals that are allowed because we have to prove that they're unsafe first right. to get them off the market. Whereas in Europe, you have to prove that they're safe before they even allow you to put it in. So here we don't, it's all about money. And if we look at why we don't, ban these products, uh, one in particular, bisphenol A, which is used to harden plastics, it makes a hundred million dollars an hour in profits and income. A yeah. hundred million an hour. Can you imagine what it would take to ban something like that? Yeah, That's, uh, that's more than it costs to train with Dane for the hour. hundred million. <laughs> Just a little uh, bit, yeah. <laughs> extensive. It, it, while we're talking about that, you, you mentioned the the low testosterone, the gynecomastica for the for the man, the, the the man boobs, if you will, of 18 year olds. I mean, when you get exposed to these uh, xeno hormones or xenoestrogens in the body sprays and things like that, can they have an instant? Obviously, that would be over time. The the testosterone count goes down and the breast tissue grows. But like for me, when uh, like some perfumes and some sprays, I'll instantly you know have a headache or, or feel nauseous when I when I smell them. Is that my reaction to the chemicals like can you have instant impact on the on the individual absolutely i mean they cause as soon as you get exposed to them they cause free cause free radicals to start occurring and these free radicals 
which we naturally produce in order to fight bacteria, uh, viruses, things like that, in small amounts. But when they're in large amounts, they attack their own, our own cells. So some people become very sensitive. If you're living a healthy lifestyle, you're much more sensitive to these things because you're not exposed to them all the time. Uh, and when these free radicals continue, they create something called inflammation. And yep. think of mm. inflammation as burning. It's a fire. And so when you burn your cells, you can feel that right away. For some people, it's instant. Others, it's delayed. But the healthier your lifestyle, the more likely you are to feel it immediately, thereby your body goes, I don't want to be exposed to it. I'm going to get away. A scientist named Bruce Lipton wrote a book called The Biology of Belief. And in it, he states that normal cells will run away from toxins and yeah. run towards food. After a while, what happens is the body is exposed so much it doesn't know the difference. So it runs yeah. towards the toxins or runs away from the food. And we make the wrong decisions and our body just doesn't do things the way that nature is supposed to do them. So we've been we're tricking ourselves when we're exposed constantly. But if you leave that clean, healthy life, you know, hey, wait a minute, I'm going down the wrong island, say a, a marketplace, and you're yeah. going near the detergents or the, you know, the air fresheners, yeah. and you smell that, and your body's like, whoa, not good. Yeah. Get mm. away from here. Yeah, I intense. feel it all the time. I can't go down it. My youngest daughter is 12. She can sense it right away. She stays yeah. away from those areas. And she's one of these 12-year-old girls who actually doesn't like to go shopping because of that. <laughs> Dad yeah. is a very happy man for that reason. <laughs> Oh, I'm lucky you. That. Yes. I guess, like you said, Mark, 70 years of toxic chemical production, all that kind of stuff is just a tiny blip on the map of human evolution. We just don't have the capacity to deal with these toxins in an effective manner. I mean, what does happen? So we put them on, go through the skin, into the bloodstream, and then how does the body attempt to then detoxify these chemicals in, in a natural process? Well, luckily for us, we have a lot of detoxification pathways that go about. I'm a historian, so I look at the history of toxicity. When we look at the Romans, mm -hmm. uh, Strabo, one of the Roman writers, talks about how they had to build smokestacks taller and taller when they were smelting metals for their war machine to build the sores and lances and things like that, because they knew that these anybody who lived near the smelters had babies with birth defects. Oh, so they really? knew this issue. So that's 2,000 years ago. We can go even further back in history. We can go to the Mayans in South America. They knew about these issues. We've got new ones, but the body knows how to detox because toxicity is there. Yeah. Nature has toxins. We have all different types of mechanisms, and we have to fight these toxins off. When you burn a forest, it releases petrochemicals into the atmosphere. So we know about that. We, our bodies have had to deal with that. So it has these mechanisms, but right now the balance of how we do it is off. There's something called phase one and phase two detoxification. Phase one, the body in the cells transforms the toxin into a chemical sometimes much more toxic than the original element. Mm -hmm. And then phase two, it's a binding or a, you know, a joining of something else to that toxin that makes it non-toxic, and the body looks at it and flushes it out of the system. And does this happen so, in the liver? 
Much of it happens in the liver, but it also happens systemically throughout the body. Okay. Okay. There's an amino acid called glycine. When a chemical like toluene, xylene, benzene is transformed in phase one, glycine sees it and goes, oh, I got to bind up here. Bind up with it. Cause a hip, what they call a hippurate molecule to be created. And hippurate, the, the kidney looks at it and goes, oh, you get flushed out. Hippurate, like 2-methylhippurate, 3-methylhippurate, which is byproducts of toluene and xylene exposure, they're non-toxic. Body knows how to get rid of it, flushes it out. The interesting thing is the main source of glycine is collagen. And for many millennium, human beings have devoured glycine because we used to make something called bone soup. Mm, broth. Natch broth. Yes. We made it. We put bones in the, in the water. Marrow. We just got all the collagen out of it, the marrow inside the bone itself. And we used to drink this and eat this. And it's unctuous. It tastes sweet. Delicacy. About 100 years ago, we stopped doing that because, yuck, eating bones? Let's not do that. We don't want to eat anything like that. We became more of a fast food culture that doesn't get it. And uh. we didn't have that one thing, glycine, which is crucial in binding up these toxins. It vanished from our diet. And we would have very little. And what else has it? Chicken skin. You know, skin of the poultry. Right underneath it, that little fat. That tastes so good, mm. it's rich with glycine. Okay. Well, if you have hormone-laden chicken, well, yeah, you also got a lot of hormones in there that you don't want. Mm. But the organic chickens and the organic turkeys and the organic meats, they have a lot more collagen in them so you can get... So the fat's not bad for you because it's really good. And there's a, there's a lot of other benefits from glycine aside from detoxification. One is there was a Scandinavian study that showed that elderly people who ate a higher protein intake, a lot of glycine in there, actually had, even if they had osteoporosis, would have far few bone breaks because the bones were pliable. They could move. The glycine got in there, the collagen, so they would bend instead of crack. Uh, your brain needs glycine to, for memory. It makes acetylcholine. The betaine in your gut to break down foods needs glycine. Your DNA needs glycine to replicate. It's a phenomenally important amino acid, and yet we're just not getting enough of it. And so it's it's a real big thing in, in the toxicity. The more toxins we have, the more glycine we need, and the okay. less glycine we take, all other things like brain function, gut function, being able to build muscle is all affected by the lack of glycine and the increase in toxicity. Okay. So glycine, obviously, a fundamental in um, phase one, phase two, that binds to the toxins so we can excrete it. So we, yes, we accept we're getting exposed to all these toxins, so we need to include some glycine on a daily basis. So uh, the collagen, the bone broth, and a uh, chicken skin, so a couple of bits of KFC there for to get your uh, glycine. Um, what, what else in regards to detoxifying? Obviously, I, I'm assuming there's more... Uh, fundamental key players for, for detoxification. What what other amino acids or vitamins, minerals are we looking at to improve the way the body detoxifies? The big one, uh, another big one, is glutamine to be able to get that because it helps heal the gut lining. Uh, it's another one. Your gut is your major detoxification pathway, even more so, I believe, than the liver. Uh, oh, the good. research that I've seen 
especially over the past two years, the gut is the most important thing to really work on. Uh, it's been implicated in so many different disorders now. Uh, the United States just approved a device to be implanted in a person's chest to attach to the vagus nerve, which comes from the gut, up to the brain for obesity. To tell people you've eaten enough. Yeah, I heard that, that. these impulses are going in. And my daughter has one implanted in her chest to help with her seizure disorder. Yeah, right. But now they're trying to tell people, well, you know, the gut signals to the brain when you're satiated and you've eaten enough. And in obese people, they don't have that. Well, if you fix the gut, yes. which detoxifies the body, you yep. can work with obesity issues. You can work with neurological disorders. There's so many different things. And mm. we're now finding out that the gut actually produces chemicals that can help the immune system fight off viruses and bacteria and parasites. And when we don't treat it right, which we're doing today with our you know, dietary choices, yeah. we have all these issues. So mm. the, working on the gut is so important to helping the body detoxify. Yes. Uh, electrolytes are very important to get the right balance of potassium to sodium because you want to be able to push and pull things in and out of cells to get rid of the garbage in the cell, yep. get it okay. out so it can be excreted. I did a lecture uh, at the Weston A. Price Foundation last November on it, and I looked at the data from the U.S. alone and the, pretty much the Western diet, and we're supposed to get 4,500 milligrams of potassium a day and about 2,300 of sodium because humans don't retain potassium very well. We need to replenish it on a regular basis. The Western diet now has about 3,500 milligrams of sodium a day and about 2,500 of potassium. So potassium helps to relax out. muscles. It's how your brain functions. It sends signals back and forth on a sodium-potassium channel. That's it. That's how it works. So when we start skewing our diet, we get more sodium than potassium. We don't think right. Our muscles don't relax. We get hypertension, all these other issues. And to me, excess of sodium is not the problem. Lack of, lack of potassium. potassium, that's the problem. It's mm. interesting you mentioned electrolytes there. Again, segue uh, an interview did with John Meadows, uh, I guess an influential coach and bodybuilder. He talks about uh, hypertrophy being uh, one of the fundamentals that, that he feels is a key player is actually the electrolytes. And the you know if we're thinking about getting nutrients in and out of the cell, nutrients into the cell in particular, we're loading the bloodstream with you know, the diatripeptides, amino acids to in initiate muscle protein synthesis. If electrolytes and the balance of uh, potassium sodium play a role there, then it would make sense that um, yeah, he's on the right track there, uh, how fundamental electrolytes... Uh, Forcing them into the muscle tissue, Yeah, into the getting cells. that communication with the cell. Yeah. So. I, I could tell you that the one subject that I'm more passionate about than environmental toxicity, Russian history, or anything else, is electrolytes. Yes. In... 1985 or 1979 when I ran the New York City Marathon when I was done with it I weighed 129 pounds I'm six feet tall <laughs> that is emaciated yes but I never thought of myself as being that bad it's about 50 kilos or a bit over 50, yeah. 50 yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking I was super thin I've looked at bone. my photographs of me and I went I didn't realize how skinny I was mm. As Six. in you didn't perceive yourself eat. as skinny? Anorexics who do not eat 
don't get potassium because we don't retain potassium as humans. Uh. So we have a different perception because our brain is a sodium potassium pump. That's how we think. We don't see ourselves properly that way. So potassium is critical in brain function, okay. but also in all sorts of things. There's studies that came out in the Journal of uh, Osteoporosis, International Osteoporosis, in January of this year that said that alkaline potassium salts stop calcium loss on the bones and protect against osteoporosis. So it's important, and this is why one of the things that I've done, and this is a blatant commercial uh, that I'm about to do, I created an electrolyte solution, and I now have it in powder form to ship around the world, uh, that has alkaline potassium salts in it, in a two to one ratio. So what's that one called? 11 milligrams of potassium to about 100 milligrams of sodium, which is what we're supposed to be getting. And I started testing it out in the gym on myself and noticed enormous strength gains Okay. that now at the age of 56, I am vastly stronger than I was at 25 as a competitive athlete playing semi-pro hockey. Oh, really? So I went, okay, what's going on here? And the, this whole idea about sodium and potassium, getting, you know, building muscle, helping to drive the amino acids into the right compartments and also helping the body detoxify, I think is critical. So changing our diets, but also knowing that we have to do some other interventions through supplements and things like that to get our bodies to do the right thing is, I I think, so critical nowadays. Hmm. So, Mark, just while we're on the whole training side of things, and I guess you mentioned that the level of toxicity can affect obesity and all these sorts of things. For people out there that are like, okay, yeah, I know there are toxins, but I'm not so concerned about my health. I just want to be lean and, and put on some muscle. How can toxicity levels actually affect the way we respond to training or our, our body composition results or yeah. fat distribution and yep. stuff like that? Are they a key player, I guess? Mm. Yeah, and in, in my book, uh, Achieving Victory Over Toxic World, I talk about a different uh, a mechanism that when toxins come into the body, they lower metabolism, as I mentioned before. Yeah. So what they do is they actually block the ability of the body to digest and use carbohydrates, say, to produce energy. And instead of producing energy, they produce fat. Mm. And my concept was if I can block to 7% of the ability of our body to create energy and shunt it over to fat production, I can create an obese person in about five years eating a normal diet and exercising every day. Because the resting metabolism is where the majority of your energy is produced. And so at rest, if you're not producing enough energy, your body's creating fat. You can exercise all day long as much as you want. There's only so many calories you're gonna burn. There's only so much mitochondrial energy production. You're gonna be producing fat if it's slowing down your metabolism. So I think the big thing with with toxicity is if you can avoid the toxins, your body is going to produce less fat, you'll produce more lean muscle, you'll create more energy in the cells, and you're going to, you know, not lose weight. I don't like to lose weight. I like to gain muscle. Yeah, exactly. Lose yeah. fat. You know, I love some of the, the uh, trainers out there that go, you know, my, my BMI is 28, yet I have a 6% body fat. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. Am I bad? No, they're fantastic. You know, BMI to me is a nonsensical Mm. term. Fat is the big thing to look at because fat also stores the toxins. Yes. Yes. That's where your body stores them. And when you break down fat, 
guess what happens? You release the toxins. It's, it's funny, Mark. I had a, uh, a client for an initial consult two weeks ago, and he, he had lost 10 kilos over a six-week period before coming into the gym. Like He still had quite a bit of body fat to lose, and he brought in uh, some blood markers in what was uh, an otherwise very normal blood panel. His liver functions, his, his ALT was like 240. Um, and I guess that hypothesized that the, the liver just had to process so many toxins from all the fat that he was metabolizing so rapidly. Oh, absolutely. I've seen this time and time again. Uh, I mean, I've had to deal with it personally, you know, as I deal with the stresses of my daughter and the, and the, the issues I had to go through. And as I started losing it and, and getting into more muscle, as we mobilize fat, the liver is just overwhelmed. So you have to give it lots of support, whether it's milk thistle which is a phenomenal herb that helps regenerate liver cells as they die off, or glycine and glutamine and broad-spectrum amino acids. And I use whey protein and electrolytes and creatine, everything I can to help my body just detox and build on itself. It's a hard thing. I mean, you have to pay a penalty for a lifetime of toxicity. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess that's the next question, Mark. How do we then reduce our toxic load number one reduce your exposure number one with a bullet there is nothing more important than that your body is amazing it has a amazing capacity to get rid of these toxins but you can't keep on calling the fire department to put out the fire in your house if you keep on lighting matches to keep on burning Mm. you got to stop eventually you just have to stop making your body toxic and it's not easy i mean you have to do a little bit of work but it's not that hard either you just have to stop using all those chemicals that you know smell good and make your life that easy yeah you know processed foods processed chemicals get away from them just just stop using them you know you smell a little bit so what that's what i mean one of my my niece she said she went to Beijing, and she said the one thing that was really amazing to her was the smell of people. It was just Ooh, I hate that smell, Mark. I tell yeah. all my coaches to cover themselves in uh, deodorant spray so we can uh, smell nice and fresh. <laughs> but I might have to reconsider that down at the CHPC. And the problem is that depresses testosterone, makes your body unable <laughs> yes. to build muscle, and yeah. gives you erectile dysfunction, oh, so you geez. have to buy Levitra, Cialis... <laughs> Know, and all those, you know, male enhancement products. Yes. We need to get, we need to get away from it. Okay. If study after study after study says, if you avoid them, your body gets better. All right. So reduce exposure. I mean, the type of things that we rattle off down at Clean Health for our clients is obviously reusing plastic water bottles. Um, you know, use stainless steel. Don't uh, reheat food in, in plastic containers. You know, use glass if you're going to use a microwave. Obviously, you know, heat them uh, gently on the stove if possible. But another one I, I, I like, and you probably um, use this one too, is the the website ewg.org where you know the most cosmetics are, are, are listed there in their they're ranked in their toxicity so i, I advise uh, clientele to to pick and choose you know slightly less uh, or you know as, as least toxic as they possibly can obviously you know some of them do have to use uh, some cosmetics but you know at least they can make the choices and i guess over time i have actually noticed that you know their body composition does actually improve if they if they stick with it 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've had, had reports from trainers around the world that I've worked with that said they've had clients who were, you know, at 10, 12, 13 percent mm. body fat, could not get down, trained like crazy, ate perfectly. And as soon as they looked at the toxins, got rid of them, boom, body fat starts going down. They'll get to six. They can go competitive, do their poses with no body fat, you know, 4%, 6% for that short period of time where they feel, wow. And they've had it over and over and over again. Awesome. It's, it's a consistent finding that if you're able to avoid it, really work at it, and it's really, you know, it sounds like it's work. It's not work. Yeah. It's easy. It just becomes, you know, to get nature. something that's non-toxic as your, you know, dishwashing liquid. Yeah. Really, come on, it's not that hard. And the other one, I love EWG and please everybody who goes there. Send them a donation every once in a while. These people put on phenomenal research. Yeah. You know, they have like what foods to eat that are, you have to eat organic because they're so laden with pesticides. Yeah. And ones that you don't have to, you do it. What fish are safe, which fish are not. Yeah. They even have one now that I just saw, I got an email this morning saying you put in your body weight, height, and build, and it tells you how much fish you can actually eat of the certain varieties, how much your body can tolerate. Awesome. Mm. Uh, and another one that we, we have an infrared, uh, heavenly heat uh, infrared, fire infrared sauna down the CHPC. Um, do you like the infrared sauna to help uh, detox uh, as well? Anytime you heat the body, the skin releases the toxins. Big okay. thing to do though, wipe shower yeah get rid of that because it'll get reabsorbed into the body i'm glad you use the heavenly heat yes it's the one that uses local wood in colorado which is not toxic a lot of saunas use chinese wood and if anybody's been to china or seen any stories the toxicity there is just unbelievable and trees absorb toxins phenomenally uh, okay. forests mm. are probably one of the the planet's detoxification protocols. Yeah. <laughs> they just mm. absorb mercury out of the atmosphere, all the toxic chemicals, and they store it in their wood. Yes. And they don't use glues and things like that. Mm. So that get emitted, they use screws. Beautiful way of doing it. Uh, anything that helps you heat the body is phenomenal for you. Okay, excellent. So some good tips there. Mark, do you think that the, the world is slowly changing i mean in terms of the perception around environmental toxicity i mean i'm sure even 20 30 years ago for 50 years ago you know eating something out of a plastic container you'd just be silly to think that's doing anything wrong with you do you think we're all starting to catch on or is there a long way to go it's a ways to go but you know kudos to a woman named rachel carson back in the 60s she wrote a number of books on environmental toxicity people didn't even know that it existed there was a problem and this woman who died of cancer started the movement. Uh, I remember in 1969, my buddy and I, Eddie, we started the first recycling center in New York City. Awesome. We were 11. There had not been any recycling centers in New York City until the two crazy kids decided this was good for our environment. Now, I still get a lot of kickback. I've had death threats. I've had people calling me crazy, trying to besmirch my reputation because I've talked about this issue. 
but I try to be kind of logical. No, we don't want everybody to go out of business. Mm. You know, we don't mm. want to create unemployment, but we want to have a kind of balance between looking at the environment and what we do to ourselves and having, you know, a livelihood where we can support ourselves. Yes. What we need is kind of a balance between them. And so we as people, the biggest thing that we can do is vote with our wallets and pocketbooks. Yeah. If we say, I'm not going to buy toxic products, I'm going to try to buy non-toxic ones, you will change the world. Exactly. Uh, in the United States, trans fats, margarines, things like that, there was no million man march. There were no people you know, rioting in the streets. We said, we're not going to buy it anymore. All of a sudden, trans fats went from about 28, 29% of all products to about 1% or 2%. Yeah. It's because people said, we don't want it. I go to our stores right now, and there's a big warehouse chain of stores called Costco. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Every time I go there, there's more and more organic products. I mean, yeah. it's like flooded with organics. Mm. And as my brother told me, he says, it takes about five years for a, a farm or a facility to become organically certified. It takes time for the land to be cleared out, make sure there's no pesticides, whatever. It's an explosion. Mm. People are getting there. Yeah, and cool. You know, there are countries that go no to Monsanto. We don't want your GMOs. Yeah. And as we vote with our and you know, we've tried legislation in the United States to say we're going to ban GMOs. It's failed. What succeeds is money. Yeah. If you say, I'm not going to buy this anymore, I'm going to buy the good guy stuff. You keep on doing that. You're going to change the world. Well said, Mark. Okay. If people out there want to find out more about you and your work, where's the best place to go? Two places. Uh, one is uh, letstalkrealhealth.com. Yep. Uh, it's a blog site. I don't blog too often anymore. I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of writing I have to do. Yep. But I've got a lot of interviews with world-renowned uh, experts. Mm -hmm. It came from a series from my late mentor, uh, Robert Crahan. Interviews some amazing people. Uh, Mark Houston is one. Yep, yep. A number of great other people. And a lot of other blogs. And also... Uh, toxicworldbook.com where I talk about what I found with my daughter and where we can learn new things but ewg.org is I think one of the great sources of resource. okay. information awesome. out there and, and also ehponline.org Online. it's the environmental health perspectives journal it is the number one environmental health journal in the world it's free all the journal articles are free and it talks about you know this is not my opinion, what I'm talking about here. This is research fact. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I get a lot of the information. Is that okay. Excellent. Environmental health perspective. I like that. And for our, for our listeners uh, of Under the Bar that do fancy a bit of uh, Russian history, where, where can they uh, yeah. grab some of that there, Charles? Well, iTunes is one. You look up okay, Russian okay. rulers... History. Rulers, history. Uh, okay, got that. The other one is it's either at, or at Russian rulers dot podhoster.com i've got about 170 episodes already oh, uh, everything from the beginning go. of russian That's history okay. and, and then i went to the end of the rulers and then i just started to just it's a numbers different game. topics of it you're just showing off now mark yeah. you, you know we, we got right, episode we're... 10 and you yeah. you you shot us out of the park with that one no, i've just done about five years of it so i'm a little ahead of the game <laughs> we're coming for you shousy yeah we're there coming you well Looking you know you know mark you do make me want to shouse 
that. No worries, mate. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, uh, we'll see you back at the CHPC sometime soon. And uh, we can inform our listeners if that does happen and part of the clean health education. Otherwise, uh, we've got those ways to keep in contact. And I look forward to uh, learning a lot more from you in the future, mate. Sounds great. Forward to it. Thanks, Thanks for Mark. your time, Mark. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Take care. Thank you. Excellent. Well, there he was, Mark Schaus. Uh, I tell you what, uh, Rawdon, just click to your back page yeah, there and you'll, see find here the, you'll find the well, notes that you're after. You're so always ruffling around. So many pieces of paper, Tom. <laughs> None of them read. No. no uh, but, but, I've, but I did bring a highlighter uh, for this episode. So you can see, uh, and Cam will agree, our sound, sound engineer, there's lots of highlighting been going on. Yes. Of course, I won't get to read the bits and pieces. No, and nor should you. No. Uh, Shousey, how good is he? It's um, oh, mate. You could really, you could uh, listen to him all. Well, I, I certainly could. He's a very interesting guy, and mm. um, I mean, there were there were a couple of crucial take-home points. Yeah, from that one. I uh, mean, I few. guess if you're a listener that hasn't been exposed to the the yes. topic of environmental toxicity, toxicity yeah. that could sound a little bit tough. So, yeah. if we break down a few basic little tips to reduce your toxic uh, no, load a bit of a wrap up for a, bit our of a wrap up yeah, yeah so takeaway tips he mentioned the, the plastics and the parabens and stuff yep. like that so obviously any uh, drink bottles that you go you get a just a standard retail yes. bottle of water off the shelf yep drink it once get rid of leave it leave it in the car let it heat up yeah drink it again a few days later is that what we don't do that's what we don't do yes ah. yes because the plastics will leach into the water. Leach. So that's one of them. If, if we're sticking on the plastics theme, yep. then reheating your food in those uh, little plastic takeaway containers. Yeah, topway container, mate. Chuck it in, zap it. Zap it. Zap it for an ultra long time so it really oozes into the rice. And while we're talking about zapping, mm. I mm. actually have steered away from microwaves completely. I, I never use them. I tell my clients not to use them. Oh. There was a study done. You can go and check it out. It's usahitman.com forward slash microwave test. A secondary school in Sussex did an experiment where mm-hmm. they got uh, some filtered water, yep. divided that water into two parts, heated the uh, first part of the water. on the, the on tree? The, yes. The plant? The yeah, plant. Yeah. So they heated the first part of the water on the stovetop. Yep. They heated the second part of the same water in a microwave, and then they had two identical plants. Yep. They watered one plant with the boiled water, which mm. was obviously cooled, yeah. and one plant with the microwaved water. Cooled as well? Cooled. Over a period of days, they used this same water to water the, both the plants. The, yep. p- the plant with the microwaved water died and Flourished. shriveled <laughs> after, after five days. The plant with the normal boiled filtered water lived and, and grew like a plant should happily ever after that's right interesting so i don't use a microwave at all ever i noticed you didn't look so shrivelly tom you look a little more hypertrophied of late maybe it's maybe the, it's the, the it's not denaturing the molecular uh, level of my oh, food whoa whoa, whoa. Oh, oh, lab coat on there the lab tom. Coat on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway back co- to it cosmetics don't lather yourself up and in all the moisturizers and various yeah. things you just buy off the shelf or if you do try and get you an know, organic uh, you know natural type product but ewg.org great resource has all the details for how you can upgrade your cosmetics and it seems like a daunting prospect for a yes. lot of the females listening but just go item by item yeah one thing at a time start week with a moisturizer week. start and then move and move to a deodorant or yeah interesting uh, one of my uh, old clients who um, went on to win a few shows that was one of the things that uh, 
Um, I guess now with my clients, it, it's a given. I just expect they're not having too many, you know, in conversation, I'll tell them, but I don't methodically, okay, you need to eliminate all this, go to this website. Yes. I did a little bit more religiously in the past, and that was one thing that she did, and um, and she got really lean and yeah. went on to win shows. So, you know, it looks like it does make a difference, Tom. And so once you're applying those simple things to reduce your toxic load, yep. then we can do some other things to help assist the detoxification process. Uh-huh, yep, yep. The infrared sauna is very good for that. Yeah, and Mark uh, mentioned the heavenly heat. Shousey, a uh, big fan of the, the, the IR fire infrared sauna, but the, the I re- reference the heavenly heat brand simply because it's all screwed together. There's no uh, cheap wood that when it's heated, um, you know, the toxins that you're trying to get rid of is actually going into you. Yeah. And it's screwed together rather than glued together. So a couple of things you want to be aware of if you are. And of course, afterwards, have a shower, rinse all the all the crud off, all the toxins that have come out. Yes. And if it's a good sauna and you are tox- you do have a fair toxic load, often you will see you know a, a grey towel. You go in yeah. with a white towel sitting on it, and you come out and the towel's grey yeah. or black yeah. even. So mm. just and gives you an idea of how toxic uh, your body is. Can be. And it's a good point about what you raise about washing all the toxins mm. off. I mean, the skin. You know, whatever you put on your skin is like eating it. It's like yes. putting it into your system. It's one of the, 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 the main four uh, detoxification organs of skin. Yeah. yeah. To assist the detoxification process, Rawdon, Shousey mentioned glycine, which Loves we've it. spoken about on the program before. It's an yes. amino acid, which we include in our cleanse. Yep. It's very good at flushing the liver of plastics. Yes, yes, in particular, definitely. Uh, so five grams are served with the glycine. If there's someone you really don't like, give them a 40 grams of glycine and watch their insides fly out of them at rapid well, pace. Well, you and I, Tom, if you really, really didn't like someone, a ton of uh, magnesium glycinate oh. and, get this, the, the cherry on top, Tom, a bit of uh, a carnitine, uh, a bolus dose <laughs> of carnitine. Just, and, just then, <laughs> and then to put the sprinkles on top of the cherry, play the old glad wrap on top of the toilet seat trick. Yes. <laughs> and then you'll need an industrial cleaner to get in there yeah. and sort that one out. Yeah. And uh, vitamin D, Rawdon, we yep. haven't spoken a, a, in great detail about vitamin D on the show, but it really assists every detoxification pathway in the body. Well, every cell in the body has a receptor to vitamin D. So if vitamin D is low, then a ton of processes in the body just don't occur. And detoxification, one of the, the functions in the body that, that really does suffer when vitamin D is low. So, yeah, blood tests, make sure you get vitamin D checked. So that's a few little things you can work into your routine to reduce your toxic load. And it was very good talking to Shousey. Shousey, we're coming for you. Yeah, you know you make me want to shouse. Well, I think, Rawdon, that is officially oh. the white lab coat episode. Oh, let I think me get our lab coats on. Next week, let's just oh. get back into the trenches, mate. Yeah, you know, trench just it out. Nice, simple, basic stuff. Mate, we don't like to prepare too much for under the bar. Just swan in, rooster up from the CHPC yes. in the sun, get a bit of a tan, come yeah. in. Sprafter, that's all we wanted to do. Yeah, that, that was tough work. I mean, it was easy talking to Shousey, though. Yeah. You talked to him all day. You know he makes me want to shouse. <laughs> <laughs> the basics of yeah, blood, basic chemistry. blood chemistry. We had a bit of a chat about that. We will get in the founder, Dave McDonald, to have yeah. a, a more of an in-depth discussion about about some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think he's yeah. going to give his uh, top uh, top three top three blood markers that he likes to uh, uh, check for body comp. Yeah, yeah. So that, that focus will be more on... You know how to get someone in optimal condition. Yeah, and of yeah. course the tip from the trenches there. You, you're uh, oh. sculling a bit of uh, knocking back a lime, 
slap the hand onto the, the kitchen bench, I'll have a lime and uh, sodium, <laughs> make that coloured. Precisely. Gulp that down for a bit of adrenal health first thing in the morning. Yeah. Beautiful. Podcast at cleanhealth.com.au if you want to drop us a line. 